Hello and welcome to Criticism is Dead, a weekly culture podcast about what we're watching and what it all means, if it means anything at all. I'm Helen Keskin Liu, a producer and writer. I'm Jenny Jijong, a culture writer and critic. This week, it is a grab bag episode. <gasps> Yes, hey. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so, so this excited. Is, um, I think it might be the first time we've done this in like a fully expanded format. Previously, mm-hmm. we might have, you know, done it a little bit in place of culture notes here and there. But yeah, we were thinking, Just tacked it on. Why not? Yeah, we're we're watching yeah. so much stuff. Uh, not all of which is gonna make it into main episodes. Why not just dump it all out there? Yeah, not all of which we're like excited enough to chat. I don't know, forty minutes about. Um, but entertaining enough and you know piqued our interest and also we've had a lot of requests from listeners honestly to recommending us tv shows that we have watched um and we just want to give them a shout out and tell them that we're we're listening to our listeners also everybody's listening yeah absolutely um and if we like this format and if you all like this format maybe we we're gonna continue this like occasionally semi-occasionally so yeah. yeah, maybe twice a year or something like that. Yeah, so let us know uh, after you listen to this how you think. Um, exactly, yeah. <laughs> have you been this week, Jenny? Uh, this week, well, first of all, PSA for anyone who isn't aware, the new COVID booster is out, the updated one. <gasps> it is. Yeah, so I got that and the flu shot at the same Amazing. time. Amazing. And how are you feeling the next day? Well, I definitely came down with a fever. I don't know which mm. one to attribute it to. Is like mm. one shot, one arm. Arms feeling like lead. Um, oh yeah, not a great time. But no, now I, I I feel better now. So Excellent. there you go, public health. I need to get that sorted next week before I fly. Before out, I, I travel, think. yeah, yeah. So yeah, my week I booked some Europe travel, so I'm excited about that. Um, which we should probably tell you guys that we're going to be out for a couple of weeks because I'm going to be gallivanting. Um, it's partly for work. I'm going to go back to London, obviously, to see family. But I booked some tickets to go to Paris. I'm going to jump on the Eurostar and see oh. what those baguettes are saying. Oh my god! Um, Please yeah. <laughs> have the best time. And oh, I'm so excited. We'll be right here waiting when you come back. I just listen. I'm. I don't know why I'm so obsessed about this place that does like the best beef bourguignon in like Paris, but I'm really excited oh. to eat some beef bourguignon, man. Why not? So you know, live yeah. it up, all the French stuff. How's your um? How's your like return to French coming along? It's not coming along at all, babe. All right. I, I think I'm. I think I'm gonna do. I think I'm gonna do my best, and the rest of it, I'm just gonna handle it in English. Yeah, uh, fair. As as long as I can communicate, and they think that my accent is good when I do say something. That's kind of what I'm pegging all my hopes and dreams on. Yeah, I'll I'll bring you back a souvenir. Oh I'll send god. you a postcard. Oh my god, I'll send you a postcard. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Yeah, give me your address when right. we uh, we'll, get we'll, off the. We'll do it offline. Um, Excellent. Cool. So we will. Um, yeah, we'll tell you what our updated schedule is at the end of this episode. But for now, how about you take us into our grab bag, Pellen? <gasps> what What's the first thing you're going to talk about? All right. So the first thing we're going to talk about is. Something that we we've both been you know chatting quite a bit about and thinking a lot about is industry season two. It is on HBO Max. This is a series that is created by Conrad K and Mickey Down, um, two Brits who were in the I guess they met in the financial world back when they were working there. They don't really have much experience in TV. This is the first time they've made a TV series. It's the second season. It's, I don't know, from just based off of what I've been hearing from people, they love it. They're really into it. For anyone that doesn't know, this is about a group of young grads from university competing in the cutthroat world of investment banking in London. So in the first season, we saw them 
trying to get a job at Pierpoint, which is, I guess, kind of like a Morgan Stanley. Yeah, or Goldman. Goldman Sachs, like one of the big one of four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and season, so, you know, we, we follow a bunch of them trying to get the job and trying to make it so that they get noticed. And then in season two, they are now three years into their job mm-hmm. there. And they've experienced, uh, the pandemic you know in, yeah in real in their second year or whatever yeah we luckily we in the first episode like we skip ahead and we, yeah. we kind of see uh what happened to them or they talk about what happened to them over the pandemic so that that was um a mercy um so how do you feel about this season so far jenny because the season finale is coming up we are done with most of it i yeah. think it's it's ultimately eight episodes um you've Caught up until six, right? I think we yeah, came yeah. out recently. Um, how do you feel about it? I think it's good. I think it is even more proficient so far than season mm. one. And season one mm. was like a really great start, I think, and like definitely created a very sort of realized world. And this one just builds yeah. upon that and kind of goes deeper into the threads that it was already sort of exploring in the first season. So it definitely mm-hmm. feels like the the showrunners have kind of gained a little bit more experience. They learned a little bit from their first season. Uh, I'm I'm really enjoying it. How about you? Yeah, I definitely think it's a step up. So I believe they added a showrunner. Ooh, to okay. This. Um, someone that's a little bit more experienced with that TV, makes sense. Um, just to kind of guide them along. And I do believe that it is a better season so far. I still have issues with it the mm-hmm. same way I had issues with it in the first ep- first season. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly being dialogue. The dialogue is so bad. <laughs> like it's just, it, there are times when it's like just fine. And for the most part, it is clunky and feels overwrought or like it's trying to be noticed, um, which is not ideal. It just, you know, especially when you're dealing with a world where not a lot of people are familiar with it. Um, and I'm not talking about all the finance shit that I have no idea what they're saying about. Yeah, By me all means, like, be opaque with that. I think that's part of the draw. I just mean interpersonal conversations between people is a bit tough. Um, they've taken the focus away from some characters in this and put mm-hmm. a little bit more on, like, Harper and Yasmin. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, well, I think Harper has always been sort of the most central of the essential characters and i'm glad that we get to see a little bit more of her she's she's such an interesting character i think in that she is so easily dislikable and and hated in a lot of ways by the the tv show's like own fans but Mm -hmm. also it's she feels like a very sort of real person and character like she is she, they're not trying to make like a, a well-loved person who only wants to be liked by everyone else. Like, no, that's, that's, that's Yasmin, you know? Like exactly, this, yeah. she is a very, um, strong character. And I yeah. really like what they did with her this season and showing how her like headstrong nature and her just like mode of always being on and so aggressive, it can really play to her strengths or it can backfire on her totally just exactly. as it did in season one. Yes, and that's the strength, I think, of Mahala Herald, who plays her, mm-hmm. is you can't help but feel sorry for her when she's deep in the shit of whatever she put herself in, just because she looks like a helpless animal, even though she's the one that did it to herself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's really it's really smart. I, I really like this season's arc of family. Um, mm-hmm. I initially thought it was going to be about fatherhood and like patriarchal presence in these kids' life, and mm-hmm. I think that is partly true, but... With Harper's, spoiler alert, 
brother coming mm-hmm. in. Um, I think it's really kind of saying something about what family means to these kids. Um, I don't know. I, I like that. You know me. Like, you know us as well. If you've listened to this enough, we, we love the anytime something tries to say something about family or parents um it's complicated these are fraught relationships and like what does it bring in up in you and like how does it make you who you are yeah um, and how I'm does really it enjoying that i mean how has each of their familiar relationships respectively kind of led them to where they are which is this really sort of brutal investment making financial world <laughs> Yeah. How do you feel about Jay Duplass as, you know, I guess like a Bezos type? Yeah. I like him. I think <laughs> yeah. he is he's getting back into acting. Like we saw him in the chair, I think, last mm-hmm. year as well. And mm-hmm. I th- I I don't know. I like him. I think he brings a ease, but also that kind of like mercurial, very um billionaire do what they want at their whim type of energy to yeah, this. So for sure, I'm for into sure. it. I, I agree with you completely. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Ken Lung. Um, mm, you yes, know, I MVP. thought he was fantastic. MVP. Thought he was fantastic in season one, but the episode that he's in where it's mainly about him, um, I think it's like episode four or five. I've forgotten which one, but mm-hmm. he is so good in it. Yeah. And it's, you know, he again shows us why he is who he is. Um, such an icon, such an incredible actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really, really enjoying more of him. I'm glad the way that the end of episode six has ended that we might get to see more of him. I was, yeah, we're not I was immediately him. sad. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, so shout out to the creators for hearing our cries. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited to see how this, uh, season ends. I feel like it, it kind of feels like it's going to go beyond, the boundaries of Pierpoint. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you know, that's really exciting. Um, one thing I will say is um, I think my issue has always been that you can kind of see the seams of, of how this is created. It's a little bit clunky and it's fine. It's forgivable. But this season, especially, you can really see the influence of Mad Men. Mm-hmm. And I respect it. I respect it. Listen, huge Mad Men fans over here. Um, go yeah, for it, mate. I think they yeah. even have like a reference to one of the Mad Men like episode titles or something yeah like somewhere in this season Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. yeah very very clear influence Um, and also you know succession as well in oh yeah sort of like the the back of their minds or even forefront of their minds yeah just like the the desperate the desperate need for success no matter what um Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um so that's industry so far i think we might check in about the season finale if it's uh dynamite enough at some point what is next for you What, what else have you been watching so I watched the entirety of Selling the OC, which is on Netflix. Um, this- I'm saluting you. I'm saluting <laughs> you. You didn't make it all the way? Nah, dude. I couldn't uh, do it. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> so this is obviously the the spinoff of Selling Sunset, created by Adam DeVello. Uh, it's a reality show about real estate agents working for the Oppenheim Group, this time in Orange County. So separate from LA, the LA office. Mm. So uh, why... Couldn't you make it through all the way, Helen? First of all, too many people. Yeah, there are a lot of people. Big cast. So big. And too many ugly houses. <laughs> I just... I, I, It's mad that they started off with this, like, insanely expensive house. And, like, that's something that I noticed, too. I was like, oh... The price tag. The real on, estate, on yeah, these, the, the, yeah. Uh, the price point is totally bonkers. And um, <laughs> they started off with this wild house that's basically, like, 12 yachts stacked on top of each other, and they call it a house. Yeah. Um, Just the ugliest fucking thing I've ever seen in my How life. How much was um, that again? It's, like, something like $100 million or something? Bruv, yeah. Something like that. It was definitely... Over- I remember thinking... 
it's wild that the most expensive house that we saw in selling Sunset was 75. And that was like ridiculous. Yeah. And this had, uh, yeah, it was definitely like either double 75 or like uh, over 100 for sure million. Mm. Um, just wild. That yeah. ceiling, the James Bond style ceiling, like, do Ugly you really need to see the fine. stars that bad? Just go, just go outside. What yeah. the fuck are we doing here? I thought it was really interesting to see the um, real estate differences from here compared yes. to LA. That is probably like my primary interest. And in, yes, I, I mean, by now I've watched Selling the OC, Selling Tampa, like those Tampa yeah. houses, very different. And then, of course, yes. Selling Sunset. Yeah. But here, I think the nice thing you can say about the, the properties, they almost all of them have got great ocean views mm-hmm. compared yeah. to the ugly LA hills. No very, offense, very, LA. very true. Um, very true. But yeah, like the the taste level of, of a lot of these properties still, both in either in the decoration or the, the design of the house itself, just leaves a lot to be desired. And I'm not yeah. like I'm not an architecture expert or a design decor expert. Oh no, means, you don't but. have to be though. You know you know what's good. You know what you <laughs> like. Um yeah, I think part of it was like I was a little bit annoyed that they didn't like up top just mention that a little bit more in terms mm-hmm. of like why this is lucrative for the brothers to invest here because it is so like the price points are so much higher. It's really um, wild. And in terms of the setup of the drama, mm-hmm. I just didn't really care. Mm-hmm. I, I think they, they set up the drama arc of it a bit too early but that being said i've only seen two episodes how does it play out like how how yeah. is the drama how is how are the stakes what was it worth it to you like were you okay were you relieved by like mm-hmm. being set free of the christina oh, of it all? i mean christine was just like yeah she took off way too much of, of the selling sunset by the end but mm-hmm. um here yeah early on they kind of set up this dynamic of like Almost the entire office hates these two women, and those are presumably like the villains of the show. These two women, these two blonde women, um, and then by the end of the show, actually, you kind of see through the show's like machinations the reverse or the flip, like the subversion of that. So by the end, oh. I think most viewers watching it, they will come out the other end being like, "Okay, so most of the office." sucks and these two women seem to be interesting some of the only professional ones so that's sort of an interesting thing that they do and it's definitely something that they do on purpose because there there's just so much that they show that sort of leads you to that conclusion um what's unfortunate is that like a lot of the drama that supposedly split these two groups like a a lot of that drama we don't really see it we kind of are only getting the aftermath the aftershocks of apparently months of stuff from when they started the office to to filming so yeah we don't even really get to see the full scope of it which is another thing Mm. that selling sunset kind of has a problem with sometimes a lot of the drama happens in like in between seasons on instagram or in tabloids or something yeah Uh, so it's a similar sort of frustration here but yeah i thought it was interesting at least how they purposely like created that dynamic set that dynamic that narrative and then by the end flipped it but i don't know these people are really like bonkers i don't know if there's like a truly likable one among any of them uh in this, this office yikes oh no you need a hero Come yeah on. yeah it's it's unfortunate and then also you have to remember at the same time which is like not a big deal, but I I troll through Reddit. I like I'm reading the the subreddit on selling sunset or selling the OC or whatever, and like so many of these cast members or these family their family members have been have been like deleting their Instagrams of like them in MAGA hats and stuff like that. Oh um, no! And then you have to you like remember the back of your mind as you're watching. They're just like, oh yeah, Orange County is like 
Oh yeah, it's super super, super conservative. conservative. Yeah, it is. It um, is. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of funny. It uh, all makes sense. It yeah. all makes sense. It's like when the whole Sydney Sweeney stuff happened. I was like, well, what do you what do you expect? I don't. <laughs> do you know what country? Yeah, you all come from demographically. Like, you know, on. it makes sense. It's bound to happen. Well, fair enough. Um, I think maybe I'll give it another shot when I'm bored and I'm just you know doing some work and it can go on in the background. Yeah, but... I mean it can fly by super quickly if you just yeah. are are backgrounding it. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, so moving on to something that we have talked about and we did speculate a lot about, Mm -hmm. the resort. Um, So the resort is on Peacock. Uh, We talked about it previously before the season finale and we just want to quickly chat about what happened. So if you want a background, please go back into our uh, catalogue and listen to that before you hear this, otherwise skip ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, so how do you feel about the season finale? I was wrong, firstly, so I'll cop to that. Oh, yeah, um, it did sort of, like, this arc did, did kind of tie it up. Yes. Um, um, I thought it was beautiful in, in some ways, but I also felt a little bit disappointed, I think. Hmm. Um, I think yeah. Puzzle Box, that's sort of, like, the nature of the genre, right? The, and the, the risk yeah. inherent to it. Like, that, it's just a mystery. It's a mystery box or whatever. Like, you don't really know. Sometimes there's no explanation, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what we were concerned about, which is like, how the hell are they going to explain it all and how they're going to tie it up and make, you know, make it all make sense. They skipped over that entirely, which I totally respect. It was a longer <laughs> episode, right? It was I think like, it was um, a little bit longer than the other episode. Yeah, it was episodes, like 40 something yeah. minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an ultimately good time, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt satisfied by the end of it. They teased a possible season two yeah arc, with baltazar and, which, and luna which i'm i'm here for if that's the case let's go let's fucking go i love those two what do you mean me too like, they're the best 100 percent. they're the best part of it and i don't know whether it's like halfway through filming they realize that they've got something really special with them too and they were like let's you know see if we can mm. switch it up a little bit yeah make like a running um, sort of detective like one exactly. mystery at a time i, I would yeah. love that honestly i would love it please <laughs> do it peacock executives that are listening to this podcast um yeah no i'm i'm ultimately satisfied i thought it was a really good season of tv it feels really different it yeah. kind of gave me you know like what i liked about like made for love for example mm-hmm. just the quirkiness the fun that it had you feel that in this? yeah i felt that here yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, me too, you know? And yeah, please, please, whoever, like, whatever God is just, give us the Balthazar Luna detective series. Let's go. <laughs> I'm down. All right, Pellin, um, what's what's next for you? So I watched, uh, I finished and cleaned up Blackbird, which you can watch on Apple TV+. Plus. It is a six-episode limited series. It's created by Dennis Lane. It stars Taron Egerton. My, I, I think I tweeted this. He's my favorite Love Island contestant-looking actor. <laughs> Because he is handsome and ripped and like almost comically handsome. Do you know I mean, you know when someone's like a little bit too Kendall looking, uh-huh. um, that's that's Mr. Taryn. Mm. Um, and it also has uh, Paul Waterhauser and Ray Liotta in one of the last things I think that he shot. Oh, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's great in this, and it's really it's really sad because it's about a character that's not in the best of health either, and it's just oh. really sad. Um, so this is a true story that's based on a true crime novel by James Keane and Halal Levin about the story of James Keane trying to draw information out of the serial killer Larry Hall. So ultimately, James Keane, true story again, he was arrested for some drug-related incidents. He was going to be in prison for like 10 years, and then the FBI reached out to him and were like, hey... 
How would you feel about oh. trying to get a confession out of this serial killer that has been dicking us around for like years now um, to see where we can find a body that he buried of one of the one of the girls that he killed? Um, and if you can do that, then we'll, you know, you'll be set free. And um, so it's, it's a very, very clean premise. Like, it's fascinating that this is based on a true story because it is such a clean TV premise. Um, and honestly... I will say, like, I wasn't really expecting much. I've kind of been over true crime for a really long time now in terms of, like, it as a theme for TV. But I'll tell you what, mate. If you are missing Mindhunter, this will itch that scratch (laughs) because it is at the same level of quality Mm. in terms of the work behind it, the writing, the acting. Um, Listen, I really wasn't expecting much from Taron Egerton, but... (laughs) He's actually quite good in this, um, but the the real award goes out to Paul Waterhouse because he plays someone very very particular. I'm sure he has you know done his research into into the serial killer that he's playing, but there's something really interesting about his performance because the whole point of that serial killer in particular is people thought that he was harmless, um, and that's why he kind of got away with it for so long. And then also that's why he is essentially like trolling law enforcement. Um, He keeps giving statements, recanting them, giving statements, recanting them. He's never, basically has never told anyone where he's buried anyone. Um, All these years, these families have just like not been able to have peace or like bury their dead. Um, It's just all very fucked up when you think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I, I had a really good time with this, man. Like, I think it's really well done. Mogwai is on the music for the for the soundtrack, and I love Mogwai. Um, but I just, I really, really think that if you miss Mindhunter, if you miss, like, season one of True Detective, um, I highly recommend it. It also, honestly, like, not to really get in the weeds of it, it says something really interesting about, like, masculinity. So I recommend this. Uh, that's me. Uh, what's next for you? So I watched season four of What We Do in the Shadows, and that just came to a conclusion. This is on FX on Hulu. Uh, I talked about the show briefly before, I think, in a year-end list. Um, yeah. So this, uh, as a reminder, is a mockumentary comedy series by Jemaine Clement based on the film of the same name, or I guess like Lucy spun off from the film of the same name by yeah. uh, Clement himself in Taika Waititi. It's about this house full of vampires living in Staten Island. So mm-hmm. I've been enjoying the show since its creation, I guess. Um, yeah. I haven't watched the film, but I it's always been a reliable show to come back to time and time again. Mm-hmm. Season four, I think, was also good, but it has started to reach the point that a lot of shows reach, I think, once they get into you know, the third, fourth, or fifth seasons where yeah. it's like, mm, how much longer will this continue in this way? Like, mm-hmm. each season there seems to be so much promise of kind of more dynamic changes happening or developments. Right. And But the nature of sitcoms is kind of to, to stay the same in a way also. Mm-hmm. And and also yeah. the nature of vampires, like, they live forever and they their yeah. life lives are mostly routine so i think the show is sort of butting up against that point both Mm -hmm. on the meta level and also within the show i think they're aware of that also like they they totally know that they're circling this theme of things staying the same and and not changing and they acknowledge as much in the in the season four finale especially but yeah i'm i'm curious at this point 
where they're going to go with this because yeah. I think for the health of the show, maybe only another season is probably best. Mm. But who knows? It is like a nice comfort show. It's like a funny, yeah. not too high stakes, you know, well written in general comedy and and that is yeah. something to value i guess uh in in the regular tv diet yeah but- for sure so um only murders in the building season two just yes. ended so we have talked about only murders in the building previously again uh mm-hmm. go back we will send we will include a link so you mm-hmm. can listen to that episode about the first season this second season um wrapped up recently i think a week or two ago all right have they done it again did they wrap it up <laughs> nicely what do you what do you think I, I really enjoyed like uh, the run of this season for m- mm-hmm. most of the episodes, but I think the conclusion wrapped up in a somewhat dissatisfying way for me. Like, mm. I, I mean, I think some people guess the twist. That's fine. That's fair. I don't really care if people guess the twist. Um, yeah. But I, you know what's missing? Like the part where they recreate and they go back and show like how the perpetrator did it. And yes. how the gang figured it out. Um, yes, they, that's like the classic of the these whodunits, right? And yeah, I think they they were missing that, and that was yeah. a big part to miss. Yeah, for sure. I really didn't like that we didn't get a full reenactment of the mm-hmm. murder itself, and I, I just didn't really. I wasn't really that excited about the person that did it. You know, like it felt a little bit too rushed. Um, there could have been maybe some structural issues that could have been moved around between the penultimate episode and the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I feel the same way. I ultimately did enjoy it though, just because they're getting a little bit wackier. Um, uh-huh. and I appreciate that, especially Martin Short. Oh, I love Martin Short. He's, he's so, he's a hands down the best thing yes. about this show. Again, lukewarm on Selena Gomez. They are setting up, they, they did set up season three at the end of season two. Yeah. Um, I am excited for some Paul Rudd action. Me too. Me too. Yeah. If there was ever a, if there was ever a star that I was like, who would you want in this show, like for the tone and the comedy and whatever, and I'm glad that they uh, ha- have hit the nail on the head with Paul exactly. Rudd because he would be perfect. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's a very charming show. I like the world that they created. That's like this yeah. <laughs> this very charming like Upper West Side, uh, New York, in, in in a slightly like fan- yeah. fantastical way. Um, and the ultimately, yeah, heads. yeah. I'll, I'll be glad to spend more time here. But gotta yeah. sharpen up the. The, the structure and like the, the the reveals and stuff a little bit for the next yeah. season please also how is how is selena gomez's character making money i really need to know like <laughs> how I, the other two make sense to me but with her i'm just like what is going on here yeah anyway another um, question to, to exactly. solve exactly so speaking of whodunits um mm-hmm. i have also been watching bad sisters uh on apple tv plus not to go back to that network um but it is what it is this is a tv show um that is i think limited i'm not sure um shout out to our listener uzma for also recommending it you know great minds great minds we love to see it um (laughs) this is based on a belgian show called the outlaws which i think is a great name by the way um but this is this is a an adaptation i guess of that tv show that is an irish dark comedy created by sharon horgan uh dave finkel and brett bayer um if you know sharon horgan you know that we love her shows we think she is a fantastic actress and also a tv person that develops things that are great catastrophe if you're not uh familiar with her too much Um, yeah yeah. yeah. so this stars sharon horgan as well she is one of the garvey sisters and there are five of them 
And it's basically about these sisters and their despicable brother-in-law that's played by Cleese Bang, um, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, he's in The Northman. He's in The Square. Um, oh. He's usually quite handsome. And I find it really funny that they made him ugly as shit for this season. <laughs> but I don't know whether it's because he's such a terrible person that I ultimately think he's ugly because he's playing a terrible person. Um, who's to say? Anyway, so his his character of the brother-in-law is dead. And we established that in the pilot. You know, no spoilers in there. Uh, but the series arc of it is trying to figure out who and or how the sisters kill him. Because the entire season, it, it, there's like a dual timeline. It starts off six months before his death. Um, and then there's the current time, post-death. And it's a little bit, you know, this sounds a little bit similar to Big Little Lies. It's not so much in so far as in Big Little Lies, we know, we kind of know what goes on. Um but with this, what's great is that it goes through all the different scenarios of them trying to kill him um, mm. and failing. So we still, like, I, I think we're on, like, episode five or six. We still don't know how this guy died. Uh, we just know that he has died. And in the current timeline, there are um, there's two insurance company brothers that are trying to essentially not give them the insurance payout. Mm -hmm. You know, the pol it's not a police investigation at this point because the police have just tidied it up and said it was an accident and put him away. Um, and these insurance brothers, um, especially one of them, if they if they pay out the insurance money for this, they're going to go bankrupt. So it's just like this this funny um, game of cat and mouse with, with the two of them in the current um, timeline. So I'm really enjoying it, I think. Like most whodunits, it's a it's a tease every episode, and like mm -hmm. it's clearly set up to make you frustrated um, more and more with each passing episode. Yeah. So that then finally, it you know once you do get the reveal, it is something that's exciting. Um, hopefully, I'm just hoping yeah. that they land it. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. I'm hoping that the payoff of of how we find out he died, we literally like at this point, we literally don't know how he died. I'm hoping that that's exciting. I'm hoping that they play it, you know, in a way that feels good. There's a part of me that feels like it's going to be a massive twist or we would find out that it's none of the sisters that killed him and they just were planning on it and they're trying to hide the fact that they were planning his death. But that's my prediction. Mm. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Anne-Marie Duff, who plays Grace, who's the sister that's married to this terrible person. Um, I don't think she knows. Uh, at this point, the way that it's communicated, she doesn't know that her sister's have been plotting to kill her husband um and it also uh stars hot boys daryl mccormack and asad buab who you will know if you watch call my agent um oh, so yeah, yeah he's in this too i don't know i'm having a really great time it's just a bunch of like great actors irish or not at the top of their game in ireland love to hang out in ireland what do you mean mm -hmm. um and it's it, fun. It is fun. I think you'll really like it. Yeah, I'm gonna I think you would sure. really, really like it. Just all the different sisters and all their different personalities are fantastic. The pilot introduces them in a really good way. Hopefully this plays out well. And again, if the series finale is something worth harping on about, we might harp on about it later on. Um, so that's it from Bad Sisters. Uh, what's next on your docket, Jenny? So I also watched um, Never Have I Ever, season three, the latest season on Netflix. Amazing. Yeah, we have talked about this before, um, mm -hmm. but as a refresher, it is a teen series created by Mindy Kaling <laughs> and Lang Fisher um, about this kind of nerdy slash but also audacious Indian American high school girl dealing with all manner of things, including, you know, high school drama, love life, overbearing family, etc. 
So season three, each season has been sort of like an evolution that also still ties back to the central thing of this, this girl lost her dad and went through something pretty traumatic in the aftermath. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for a teen show, and you know that Pellin and I, you know, we both get tired of teen shows quite a bit. Yeah. Um, this is a teen show that for me, it keeps working because it fully mm-hmm. embraces the silly dramatics of being a teen, like being unbearable, being sulky, being a brat. And it does that in a way that's not super annoying. Like I, Mm. it's quite refreshing to have a protagonist like this who isn't like a a 30 year old pretending to be a 16 year old girl. Although one of her love interests definitely is a 30 year old pretending to be (laughs) a 16 year old guy. Um, But yeah, it's just a nice show. Mindy Kaling shows she has such a particular way that can be off putting, I think, Mm -hmm. especially when she's trying to dabble in like the more grown up world. Mm -hmm. Um, But it works perfectly for a teen show like this. And season three, I I thought was like another very nice season uh, where you are interns like, frustrated by and also charmed by the protagonist yeah um i've got to say i have not seen past season one so that's fair i mean yeah. it is a very particular mode where you have to be into to sort of <laughs> re-experience this yeah. uh, high school teenhood yeah and it's also because I, I think i just um with mindy kaling ya stuff even with sex i've college girls that i recently i told you that i watched like two two mm-hmm. episodes of it it's really hit and miss for me in terms of like each episode there are moments that are hits and there are moments that are misses um mm-hmm. and the whiplash of it each episode kind of annoys me mm-hmm. um so i can't it, it's not like a smooth ride for me ever yeah um but i do remember liking this protagonist um so i'm glad that she's still doing it and the actress is really sweet she seems like she's got mm-hmm. a good career ahead of her yeah i think sweet. so um mm. what's next for you palin so i would already mentioned this i think in a previous episode uh but i've been watching this is going to hurt which is on amc plus totally fine if you don't and if none of you <laughs> end up getting around to this again amc plus deep cut in terms of the apps that you need to watch tv um but this was a co-production with the bbc and amc plus this is a comedy drama created by adam k based on the book by the same name that he wrote which was a memoir for adam k um but this, I think, TV show takes a little bit of liberty. It's not deeply rooted in exactly who he is. I think it twists and turns a little bit away from the book. But it is about um, a junior NHS OBGYN doctor played by Ben Whishaw. It's a rough. It's it's a bit of a rough sit in terms of if you are deeply uncomfortable with childbirth related things. Uh, um, I would not recommend this. Um, <laughs> that there, there are, it's, it's for the most part fine. Like you can skip ahead, but there are some scenes that are really, really rough. What I like about this show is that it does a good job of explaining to an American audience, I guess, of why, even though the NHS is honestly great and it does a great job of like champion, championing it, um, mm-hmm. of how the government does not know how to respect it or to fund it and how that has a direct impact on the people that are in the grind day in and day out. And it is definitely trying to, you know, capital letters say something about that, but it doesn't do it in a way that feels forced. It's very natural. It's also like a someone that you know, has grown up with the NHS um, and has seen the steady decline of it thanks to New Labour. Uh, yeah, fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> the main thing has just been, you know, the, t- the weight of time, the condition of the hospitals, like how tired the doctors look, how low on resources they are. And all of these create stakes. Do you know what I mean? And it's good TV for that alone. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, Ben Whishaw's character is ultimately very privileged. Um, he comes from a family of doctors and he's still kind of feeling it. Uh, but I do want to give a shout out to uh, the other doctor in this who's more junior than the than the character of Ben Whishaw, who's played by Ambika Mod. She's a standout, dude. She's such a good actress. And like you really kind of see the tiredness on her face and the character arc of her is um is amazing it's really really great um huge trigger warning <laughs> in either the penultimate episode or the final there's just a horrific horrific childbirth scene um i have never in my life cringed that hard just from pain when i've watched something and i you know i watch body horror stuff all the time not i never flinch uh that was the first time where i gasped out loud and looked away from the screen i'm really not selling this but um if you if you are interested in learning a little bit about this uh this is a really great time it also says something really important about care you know like medical care it's not Grey's anatomy this is not Grey's anatomy at all Mm -hmm. um this is very very real anyway what is next for you so next i wanted to just give a shout out to a fan recommendation so this fool is on hulu and shout out to a listener, Rusty Venture Esquire. This is a tw- uh, their, their Twitter username, <laughs> yeah. so not yeah. sure if that is applicable to real life. But um, it's a comedy series created by Chris Estrada, Pat Bishop, Matt Ingrid Bretson, Jake Wiseman. <laughs> and it's about a mild-mannered 30-year-old guy, played by Estrada, who lives at home and has to help his cousin, a former gang member who was released from prison. It's like a Latino family, Latino community, predominantly. So I've only watched, let me see, probably four or five episodes of this. Mm -hmm. I think I will say you have to have a very particular... Like, it, it's not going to appeal to everyone, I think. The the humor in it is quite uh, specific. And I think it took me a few episodes to appreciate it for what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to another listener recommendation and... Like, you know that, yeah, I think I might continue with this. Uh, I'll see where it goes. But yeah, it it might be up your alley if I think you yeah. like family things, if you like kind of off-kilter oddball comedies, yeah. um, a lot of things like in that line. Yeah, this is, this is, I watched a couple episodes of this as well. It's a good, uh, you know, like the the part in your TV diet that requires like half an hour comedy, mm-hmm. um, this fills it up pretty nicely. I think if you're missing Abbott Elementary right now, like this is a good thing to kind of fill it up with. I I think um Frank Quinones, I think is his name, who plays Luis, his his cousin, um, is really great. He's, he's also, great. I also want to give a huge shout out to Michael Imperioli, who is in this as um I guess like the minister of the. The organization that they're in. Um, mm-hmm. Just anytime Michael Imperioli is getting work, we're happy. You know, mm-hmm. what a legend, what a Sopranos <laughs> legend. Um, yeah, carrying on that theme of men in color with TV shows. <laughs> um, um, so I have been watching. Oh no, I finished actually. I just realized I finished Mo, which is on Netflix. This is created by Mo Ahmed and Rami Youssef of Rami fame mm-hmm. on Hulu. Um, so this is on Netflix, and it's a, it's a story of a Palestinian-American undocumented man called Mo, titular name, um, trying to figure out how to be the patriarch of his family, both financially and spiritually, and be a better partner for his Mexican-American girlfriend, all despite, you know, his typical immigrant son antics of mm-hmm. uh, b- being bad, um, <laughs> uh, d- doing bad things that he should not be doing. Um, I think the the 
tension of this series is basically about his undocumented status along with his families and them trying to apply for citizenship or apply for legal residency essentially um it's based in houston which is where mo amer is born and raised well not born sorry uh, raised in houston um he just like his his character speaks arabic english and spanish proficiently have you seen any of this? I haven't seen any of it, actually, but I, I have seen a lot of people talking about it, especially mm-hmm. in the timeline. Seems to be really hitting uh, hitting the mark for a lot of diaspora viewers in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, seems to be pretty popular. And I know like everyone loves Rami. I, I'm a fan of Rami as well. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. interesting, I guess, to, to see this new project that he has out. Should I check yeah. it out? Would you recommend? I think you should. I, th- I think it's worth a watch. So for me, I have my qualms with it, which is mm-hmm. that I think the writing is a bit janky. Mm. Um, I, I think it the, the, the end of the season feels a little bit clunky. Overall, his character arc feels a bit messy in mm-hmm. not not in a good way do you know what i mean like not in a way that feels um that's how it was meant to be um mm-hmm. but the the pros of it honestly are mo like himself as mm-hmm. as like the the guy that plays him and like the way that he is the funny moments are really funny there are parts where ultimately it feels quite natural like you can tell that this actor is comfortable in the city of houston like and houston is such a great character in this as well like you really mm-hmm. get an idea for the city yeah, I mean, it's ultimately a good watch. I'm honestly surprised that Netflix greenlit this. I'm going to be straight mm-hmm. with you on that. <laughs> like, I'm just shocked and awed that this even exists, and I'm happy that it does. Yeah. It also does a really good job of olive oil. Um, I really like that they lean into olive oil as a character, too. Oh, okay. Um, throughout the season. Just, to, you know, olive oil is obviously very important for Palestinians in general, mm-hmm. and the way that they try and find a way for it to work within Houston. You know, Nadia Chowdhury, who is our eater editor that is based in austin texas um she we we talked about it briefly and she was like yeah there, there are olive oil farms in in texas and i was like holy shit i did not know that um mm. so i i thought honestly that it was just in california but it makes sense um i don't know i just i think this is just like a fun time my qualms with it honestly are like similar to this fall um i'm kind of over the whole <laughs> kind of over the whole immigrant son narrative and this mm-hmm. is kind of my this was my beef with Rami too, where it's just like, okay. Like literally yes and. yes and and like literally you are getting in your own way and that's fucking annoying mm-hmm. for me as a as as like an immigrant daughter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like who let's has get like some observed- immigrant daughter uh exactly exactly i want to see some problematic immigrant daughters do you know what i mean and not in the like oh no they said that they weren't gonna have sex and then they did. Like I don't give a fuck about that type of shit. I think there's something like viscerally fraught about being an immigrant daughter especially if you're firstborn um Mm -hmm. that will hit a lot of the marks um i'm really again i'm really happy that this exists i'm really happy that the representation is there and i'm really happy that it's actually good you know what i mean like it's not shit um these are like entertaining pieces of art i'm just i guess i'm a little bit tired of it and that's not really the fault of mo you know Um, just like the kind of uh greater context environment right now. exactly yeah exactly Immigrant anyway. daughter, gotta tell you, never have I ever. That oh, is, yeah. Yeah, that, that is, is a the messy one. immigrant daughter one. <laughs> that is true. You are so right. Um, <laughs> sweet. Uh, what's next for you? And I guess what's last? I think this is, yeah, we're coming to the end of it. Yeah. To end it on a, a sweet note. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. You are so bad. <laughs> All right. I'm going to get move, out of here. Move right past that. Um, <laughs> so I watch junior bake-off or junior baking show as it's known in the u.s 
they finally put it on American Netflix. Yes. And to be specific, they only put one season on it, which is series six from 2021, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just added it to US Netflix last month. Mm. And this is obviously the spinoff of Great British Bake Off that has kids instead of adults yes. baking. Um, this Instantly current, better. This season. Yeah, it is better, I'll say. Well, it is better in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. I think anytime you, you take the tried and true Bake Off formula, you replace the adults with kids between the ages of, I think, like, 9 to 15, I think is the age mm. range. And the challenges that they give them are still pretty hard, some of them. Like, they do not, they're not just making them make, like, uh, chocolate chip cookies or something, yeah, or exactly. muffins yeah. or something yeah. like that. Like, these yeah. challenges are quite comparable to even some of the grown-up challenges. Damn. But it's, it's really fun, like, seeing the kids reactions like there's just something different about the the sort of humor and sensibility mm. and and like the of, of a child that can be both like small adults but also incredibly just like innocent and childish at the same time it, yeah. it's, it's a it's a lovely disposition that they le- lean into fully here and these are these are british children right yes it's still brits it's already still better in the already, s- better. <laughs> already better <laughs> Yeah, I think I think you will love this. Um, yeah, it's really fun. Like Bake Off is always like pretty fun to watch, despite mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the issues that may plague it. Um, yeah. But this is even more so, I would say. Oh, I'm so excited! I've been watching Glow Up on Netflix. Oh, uh, I think same it's like, actually. Also, yeah, the third season um, is bad. <laughs> like, I just I, there's like out of the crop I agree of with that. out of the crop of uh, contestants, bless them, they're all doing their best and they're way better at makeup than I will ever be. However, compared to the previous season, the yes. talent level is very low. Absolutely. Like, do you agree with that? It's like compared I to the other season, I just kind of don't um, care. I'm not rooting for anyone. I don't think anyone yeah. is particularly better than anybody else. I finished it. So the way the yeah. eliminations happen as they edge closer to the finale, like yeah. really totally like infuriating. And yeah, it it's boring. Makes sense within the mechanics of the show, I yeah. guess, but also it's terrible. So Yeah, like the chair out of the chair, back in the chair. And then after the chair, the 10-minute the challenge that they have to do as a face-off. It's like, it's very dumb when you're not rooting for, for a person, which I wasn't. Anyway, I will be feeding my need for a competition show with Junior Bake Off. I'm so excited to watch these kids crush it. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that is it for our first expanded grab bag episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, as always, please continue, like, letting us know if you have recommendations things we should check out and we love it when you all do that so thank you so much for doing that yeah um just a note again about our upcoming schedule since pelin will be in europe uh we will be skipping the next let's see the next three weeks Mm-hmm. So consider it a little bit of an extended break, like a sort of a mini fall break. But yeah. we will be back on the 11th of October with an episode that I think everyone will be very excited for. Yeah. It stars two big franchise fantasy series that are out oh. right now. You can take a guess what they are. Yes. <laughs> um, House, obviously, for those that for some reason didn't get it, um, House of the Dragon and Rings of Power will be what we will come back with. And yes, we are doing both of them back to back because 
let's just it, get the elephant out a, of the yeah yeah we'll it's just, a show showdown exactly exactly uh, they're not both of these networks are not dicking about and neither are we so yeah. i'm really excited to chat about that when we're back i've been thinking a lot about it um yeah. but this has been fun i'm i'm so happy that we just like crushed a whole bunch of tv series that we've, too. We've, we've been on our docket it if feels you, like satisfying in a way to it just does like, yeah boom 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 get through them and yeah it's like a know. nice little fiber you know we just shit them all out it's great i feel free <laughs> and light uh, you know just like jenny said if you are watching anything else uh please keep telling us we are listening we are uh, checking this stuff out um, you can email us at criticismisdead at gmail.com or just at us or DM us at criticismisdead on Twitter and Instagram for any of your recommendations any comments um, any love please do not send us any hate that would be really great if you yes, didn't um, uh, for extended show notes including links to everything that we've been talking about and more please subscribe to our fantastic newsletter criticismisdead.substack.com as always thank you so much for listening please rate and review us on Apple podcast and maybe tell a friend about us and you know how much you like us and how our banter is excellent because it is <laughs> um we will see you in a couple of weeks oh yeah oh in the meantime God. bon voyage pellin thank you i'll send you a postcard criticism is dead is produced by pellin keskin lu and jenny jijon our music is by rika our artwork and design are by sarah macias and andrew luke